0: Today's sermon text is from Romans, the 11th chapter 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever forever. Amen. This is God's word. Amen. Thanks, so. Man, I let me, let me pray. Lord, what a glorious passage. What a glorious passage. Thank you so much, God, that we come to a church when we get to sing that out loud with the past four songs we just sung, is what this passage is all about. We get to proclaim it with freedom. Thank you for that, God. Thank you that it's your breath in our lungs that get to do that. Lord, thank you that you give us the opportunity to do that now in faith. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room this morning, that if they were just singing those words, just saying it, but there was no faith in their hearts, Lord, will you save them this morning? Will you show them your glory and satisfy them and regenerate and change their heart and give them your spirit, bring them into your kingdom? Please, God, do this. For your name's sake, amen. I'm fired up. Woo. <laughs> so this is, my name's Robert Jones, hello, and uh, and I'm the the family pastor, which means I'm back in the children's wing most of the time, and uh, so this morning I put on my nice fancy jacket and people have been like, what are you doing? Because uh, they're used to seeing me with like kids' snot running out off of me from being with the kids all the time, but uh, yeah, thanks, yeah, I look pretty good, uh, but uh, yeah, so I'll see if I can stay in this thing, I'm going to get so excited preaching this sermon, so my aim this morning is simple. It's to put before you a massive God. Put before your, the, 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 your heart, your eyes, your wills, your taste buds, just to lay it out there and say, this is God. That is what we believe at this church, in a massive, global, cosmic, powerful, sovereign God. And we love to talk about Him. We love to sing to Him. We love to give to Him. It's the joy of our hearts to do so. So that's my prayer, is that when I preach this morning, it is worship on this stage. It is worship in your hearts. So that when we sing our last song, How Great Is Our God, man, it's just worship. It's worship to Him. We need it. You need it. I need it. We need a massive God. Because every day, we live trivial lives a lot of the time. What did you do last night? You know? I watched a movie, half of it at least. I was so tired from kids' birthday party yesterday, I was about to fall asleep. But that's we, we live these lives where we just get so inundated with our life, our world, our issues. And it's understandable. It's understandable. I'm not knocking that, that we're human. But we we can just go three hours with looking at Facebook. 30, watch 35 YouTube videos in a row. Binge watch some Netflix TV series, seven episodes in a row. We, just, we live these lives, do we not? It's so easy. Because we want to be satisfied. Our hearts are looking for something to, to fill us, to stimulate us. We're in relationships where we want to feel valued, we want to feel loved. And what I want to do this morning again is put before you a big God. There's no computer, no TV here, no phone. Well, if you got your phone, you, know, you might have your Bible on it. If you're somebody that looks up ESPN scores in the middle of the sermon, uh, no judgment, I've done it. Uh, no offense, Chris. <laughs> 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 got to find out about my soccer, Chelsea. Found, saw a Manchester United fan in the back. It's like, uh But I hope that this morning you might feel that temptation to go to Facebook. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go to ESPN right now. Because you're going to see God and you're going to worship. We want to be astounded. We want to see something go, oh, yes. My favorite thing is to have dates with my wife. And every so often you get these moments when you just, I get to see her beauty. and In that moment, I'm like, I'm the only person that's seen that. And I just go, mmm, that's so good. And I give her a kiss, maybe. <laughs> and then I go to a big hamburger. oh, <laughs> And then I eat it. And I go, mmm, that's so good. I'm a, I'm a noisy person. Uh, when it comes to my wife, no, uh, worship, eating a burger. We want to go, oh, that's good. And our passage this morning, that's what Paul does. He goes, oh, oh, the depths. How unsearchable. So what... I want to happen this morning is you to feel something. I debated back and forth how much should I go into uh, the ins and outs of this passage, but I thought, I, to, I want to take you on this journey where you can feel something, you can see something, so that from your heart is elicited an "oh." How amazing is this. So with our passage, Romans 11 is stuck kind of right at this crucial point in the middle of the book of Romans. It's, it's it's not hard to understand romans 1 through 11 paul goes into this great explanation of what the gospel is What is god's cosmic plan to save his people to be faithful to his promise? To save himself a people for his glory and for our joy And he lays this out in romans 1 through 11 and then romans 12 through 16 It's about okay. Then how now shall we live now that we've Seen all of this and know all of this. How should we live? This is classic Paul. He does this all throughout his letters in the the New Testament. And we as a church believe in doing the same thing. We believe as a church to think deeply, to look at the text of the Scriptures and say, what does this mean? Who is this God? How does this impact my thoughts about Him? But we don't just stay there. We don't just want to have these great thoughts, these grand thoughts about God go home and shut our eyes and take our naps and forget about the brokenness out in the world. We want to be inspired by God's, by who he is, by his salvation for us. And then we want to then go live. We want to act on it. That's what Romans 12 through 16 is about. I was talking to a Ron surgeon. Is Ron here today? He might be. He's training. Man's a training force. Uh, Ron goes about all over the sea, all over the world, really, and he trains people about Jesus Christ, who he is, how to know him, how to train others to teach people about Jesus, how to disciple unbelievers. And I was talking to him the other day, and I, right before I met him, I heard this great quote by Muhammad Ali, where he says, Rumble, son, rumble. I think it's the end of this, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, rumble, son, rumble. And I just looked at Ron, and I was like, man, go rumble, man. I said, rumble, Ron, rumble. We take serious. We want, we want the godness of God to flow out of the scriptures and into our lives, into our hearts, and then go rumble. Then go live for great causes, fighting for people's restoration of their relationships, justice in their lives, salvation to their hearts. So this morning as we go through this, what is God doing in your mind, in your in your bodies. What is he he putting in your mind to then go do after this service? But there is Romans 11, 33 through 36. And that is our passage this morning. Right after theology, before he gets to the, I guess you call it the duology, he has doxology. He has praise. He has worship. God just doesn't give it to us For our minds to know and for our our bodies to do, he's given us for our hearts to savor and to worship. Taste and see that the Lord is good this morning. Feast on God and be satisfied. So let me quickly go through just the words that he says. What does he say? And then we're going to kind of say, how did he get there? What did Paul see to get to this this, uh, this song, this hymn, that he almost spontaneously burst out of him. I see it up there. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory, forever, and amen. Oh, the depths of the riches in wisdom and knowledge. First, we have three exclamation, three exclamation points that Paul is talking about. His riches, wisdom, and knowledge. His riches, God's blessing to the believers. We're gonna get to that, what Romans 1 through 11 is about. His wisdom, as seen in his plan of salvation through Christ. His knowledge, God's total, complete, absolute knowledge. Total omniscience, knowing the end from the beginning and everything in the middle. And this knowledge, I, as I studied the commentaries, it's not just talking about his knowledge, his cosmic knowledge, but it's his personal knowledge, his foreknown knowledge, when he, how he knows you. It's a relational knowledge. Paul sees and says, oh, the depths of it. Next, he, said, he has these other two exclamation points to begin with how. How unsearchable are his judgments? How inscrutable are his ways? Jen, this morning, that's kind of what she was, the word she had from God to say to us. Sometimes we question his perfect ways. We do it all the time. And Paul is saying, they're amazing. They're unsearchable. They're incomprehensible, unexplainable. There's no way a human being could have devised this. I remember when I was a teenager at the church I grew up, at my pastor was talking about how did, why does he believe in the Gospels, in, this, in the Word of God. And one of the reasons he said that he, he sees glory coming out of the Scriptures. He sees this these, these ways of God. And he says, surely no man came up with this. And then he said, if a man did come up with this, let's find him and worship him. Maybe you've read Shakespeare. That guy's amazing. He had said that he had the greatest grasp of of language out of anybody that's ever lived. And people want to worship him. Shakespeare is a pauper compared to God, to the wordsmith of God, to the ways of God, to the director of God. Then he has these three rhetorical questions. For who has known the mind of the Lord? No one. That's the answer it wants us to give. No one. He's totally independent of us. Who has been his counselor? No one for he's all wise and sovereign. He doesn't need any of our advice. Although we'd love to give it to him. Don't we? That's half my prayers. God, what about this? <laughs> but sometimes I do that in God, why not this? Can't you see God this? Why'd you do that? And he says to me, are you my counselor, Robert? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? No one. He owns it all. He's rich. Really rich. He owns it all. All things belong to him. So how can Paul help but say the last three phrases? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. He is the source, the sustainer, the goal, the beginning, the middle, and the end. To him be glory forever. All of life is for God's glory. What a beautiful God-centered song. This church is a God-centered church. It is not man-centered. And it's hard to be that sometimes because we are so radically self-centered. So what led Paul to say this? These, these, this great hymn. What did Paul see? He saw a big God and a glorious plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. Paul saw a big God and a glorious plan of redemption. I think, as we, we, I don't think, I know, from when you look at these passages, you know that he's quoting Isaiah 40. So if you have your Bibles, go to Isaiah 40, and mine's right down there, because I forgot to bring it up. (laughs) Sorry about that. Isaiah 40. I almost debated about not reading it, but I was like, I can't help but read this. Surely this is my top five favorite passages in the whole of Bible. If you have not ever, ever laid eyes on this before, ooh, this is a juicy burger. This is a juicy burger with applewood smoked bacon, cheddar cheese, some special sauce. Ooh, this is good, man. I'm going to feast on this. I know make you hungry. We're all going to burger, eat burgers after this. No, we're not because we're all feasted and satisfied on God. So we're all going to fast for the next two weeks. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. So I, I can just imagine, use your imaginations. Can you imagine Paul? He had the scriptures. He knew the Old Testament scriptures backwards and forth. He knew it. Can't you imagine him just soaking in Isaiah? My wife has been in Isaiah for the past year studying it. And every time she gets done with it, she's like, oh, this is amazing. That's what Paul did. He just soaked in it. You can just imagine, maybe this is a long letter, the book of Romans, 16 chapters. Maybe paused right after Romans 11, he read Isaiah 40. And it just flowed out of him when he quoted it. Let's read Isaiah 40. The context, real quick, is the prophet Isaiah is writing to uh, his people, God's people, the Israelites that are in exile. They've been kicked out of the land as God's judgment toward them. They're in exile. And they're wondering, where is God? Where is he? I thought God promised us that land. I thought God promised you to overcome all of our enemies. And they're, they're sad, they're brokenhearted. And this is what the prophet Isaiah is, is going to say to them while they're in exile. Verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. This is long, by the way, but just get, enjoy it. speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed." And all the flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the lord has spoken A voice says cry and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field the grass withers the flower fades When the breath of the lord blows on it surely the people are grass The grass withers the flower fades but the word of our god will stand forever He's gonna be faithful to his words what he's saying Go up on on a high mountain O Zion, herald of good news lift up your voice with strength O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold the Lord God comes with might. With his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Ah, oh, but he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. And gently lead those who are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollows of his hand, and marked off the heavens with a span, and closed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in his scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? That's, That's what Paul's saying. Whom did he consult, and whom did, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon will not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are before him as nothing. They are accounted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. That's a God-centered verse, is it not? To whom then will you liken God or what likeness compare with him? An idol, a crafts, an idol, a craftsman cast it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. And the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? Who brings out their starry host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, because he is strong in power, and not one of them is missing? Why do you say, O Jacob, then, and speak, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. No apologies. Whew. Rumble. Read that and go out and rumble. You go find somebody that's that's brokenhearted. And you go show them a massive picture of God. Say, look up at the stars. Do it at nighttime. Take them look at the stars. I believe in a God that knows them all by name and has them by hand. And then say, Oh, but He's a personal God. He knows you. He knows you and he will carry you like a father, like a shepherd carries his sheep. What a God! What a God! And this is what Paul Paul was reading. No wonder he says, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God! Who can fathom this? How unsearchable, how inscrutable are his ways? Who can repay him? The God that owns everything. It's just flowing out of Paul. That's what it's meant to do, to flow out of us. <clears throat> so that's, the, that's the, the, the starting place of this mountain. I feel like Paul was understanding and seeing as he got up to Romans 11, 33 through 36. What happens in Romans 1 through 11? Now, I'm going to do this quick, so don't worry. I'm not going to try to be here for two hours and try to summarize all of this perfectly. But let me just give you some of the highlights Imagine again that we're walking up this mountain Okay, I I I came across uh, martin luther king jr's Uh, i've been to the mountaintop speech. Have you ever read that or listened to it? It breathes fire in your bones Because that man saw the glory of god. He just didn't see a reconciled america. He saw a reconciled world He said "I've, i've seen the glory of the lord And that's why he wasn't afraid of no man, because he had a massive picture of God that just captured his soul, captured his will, captured his emotions, and he moved out in strength. So imagine us walking up this mountain. We call it the mountain of glory. And we're going to stop along the way, and we're going to overlook these scenic views, these scenic images of what Paul's saying in Romans one through eleven, again to see why, why does he get to the oh the depths, and this is what Chris and Ron have been going through over the past few weeks. I encourage you to go back and listen to those sermons. Oh man, the first where does he start? Paul starts with creation. After he talks about hey I'm I'm not ashamed of this gospel, let me lay it out for you. He starts with creation that God created the heavens and the earth. And Paul says that by them, by looking at them, you see his eternal power and divine nature, their own display for all of us to see. Anybody that's ever lived, that there's something inside of us that surely that wasn't just by happenstance. This is God's glory in creation. He is the creator. From him, all things come. Including man and woman. So that's the first scenic image picture that when's the last time you looked up in the sky At a sunset at the clouds at the beautiful spring flowers that are bursting forth and giving us all allergies That's why my voice is gone But it's beautiful if it was ugly man, i'd be a real complainer, but thankfully it's beautiful It's beautiful When's the last time you looked at the veins on your hand? And said, "What in the world? You know, just like, I mean, like your brain just communicates. What's the last time you looked at somebody's eyeball? Did you just look at it? We'll do that after the service. We'll have stare time at each other. <laughs> so I'll do it. Just get real close, and you can see a galaxy almost in their eyeballs. It's amazing. When's the last time you went in to your, to your child's room at night when they're when they're sleeping?" Your spouse and you just look at their chest going up and down, up and down, up and down, bump, 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 them. Bum, bum. Oh, the glory of God! Behold the glory of God. That's the first scene, but the second scene is the depravity of man. That God that that humans, us, we have seen this glory. We go, eh. No, thanks. This is what Chris really poignantly talked about last week. We see the glory of God and we exchange it. We look at someone else and we say, I'm going to worship that person. As it says in Isaiah, we create idols. How stupid is that? How stupid are we? We create these idols. I I think I've, we look at trucks We look at clothes, and we worship these things. We've exchanged the glory of God for stuff that he created, things that are meant to be a blessing in our lives that we have warped. So because of this sin, God says no one is righteous. Jew and Gentile, they've all broken the law, the law that's been revealed through the heavens, the law in their hearts, or the law that God gave the Israelite nation, they've broken it. No one is righteous, no, not one. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, this world is thorny. So imagine we're going up this mountain. It's got thorns. It hurts. It's going to hurt us. We're going to have bruises. We're going to go up this mountain, but it's fallen for now. So imagine looking over and you see the wars of man. You see thunder clouds. That's the scene you see in this this scenic overview. It's a hard view. But Paul doesn't stop there. He goes up through the clouds. And we get to Romans chapter 3, the middle of chapter 3. If man can't save himself by being good, because he's fallen, he's depraved, what is going to happen? How can we be saved? Romans 3. Go to Romans 3. In the first sermon I ever preached here, I talked about the big butts of God and how I like the big butts of God. This is the biggest butt of all of them. Romans 3. <clears throat> this is the big question Paul is building up to. We aren't righteous. We are sinful. God's wrath has to be... Has to, come upon us, that's to punish us, how do we escape the wrath of God? How are we made right before him? Verse. Let's read verse 20. Start there. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood. To be received by faith. So this next scene that we get from Paul is justification by faith. And the propitiation of God. We cannot do it on our own, so God comes down in the form of Jesus Christ, lives a perfect life for us. That's what Jesus did. That life that he lived from age zero till he died, he lived a perfect life, honoring joyfully God, obeying from his heart, loving God, living in a perfect relationship with God. But since we don't do that, we can't do that, Jesus said, God, I'm going to give my perfection, my Righteousness, I'm going to give that to those that put their faith in me. But how is God's righteous wrath propitiated, taken away? Jesus goes to the cross. And on the cross, he takes the wrath of God on himself. The cross is amazing. Oh, the older and older I get, the cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It swallows up more brokenness and more sin than I've ever imagined. You think you might be a big sinner? Psh, the cross swallows it up like it was a drop in the, in the ocean. The cross is massive. When Jesus died on the cross, it was a, oh, it was amazing. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your sin is swallowed up in the cross. It is taken away <clears throat> you were justified before God. So what is this next scene that we see? If we're going up the mountain, we look over, what's the scene we see? It's like a courtroom. We see a holy, righteous judge, a good judge, and there's a, there's a sinner that's being prosecuted. He says, I should declare you guilty before me. But the sinner points to a bloody cross in the, in the courtroom. It's a bloody scene. He says, look at the cross, judge. And the judge says, not guilty. Clean. It's a beautiful scene, a beautiful bloody scene. So Paul keeps going on up. I got to run a little faster up this mountain. The next thing that we see, chapter 5. Reconciliation. This is the great reason God saved us. God just doesn't say not guilty and leaves us be off to float off in space somewhere. He takes away our sins so he can bring us to himself. That's the whole point of everything. That's what heaven's about. That's what Chris talked about. He gave us that beautiful picture of God coming down to a restored, renewed earth and making his dwelling place with us. We get to be with God. He said this morning when he's doing communion, we see Jesus. That is reconciliation. So if you look over, to this, over the mountain, you see this scene. You see two people that are being restored, that are being reconciled. It's a hug. It's a beautiful scene, which leads us to the next one. <clears throat> Romans 8, Paul talks about adoption. This might be my favorite. This might be my favorite. It might be yours too. That Paul says we're not only forgiven in Christ, we're not only reconciled in Christ, but we've been adopted through Christ and now through the spirit that Christ gives us, God has made us his child. He's brought us into his family. So when we see God, yes, he's powerful and cosmic and sovereign, but we see a dad. What was your dad like? What is your dad like? And that, the results of that question are going to be, are going to vary from from the massive spectrum in this room. No matter what the answer is to that question, through faith in Christ, you have an amazing, good, powerful, sovereign dad. We might not understand him. I didn't always understand my dad. That's for sure. I always didn't like him. I had some problems. I was human. We're going to react that way to this dad. We're not going to understand his ways. We're going to question it. We're going to fight sometimes against it. But that's okay. Because he's our dad. And that's not, nothing's going to change that. Because through faith in Christ, He's a dad, as it says in the end of Romans eight. Nothing can separate you from His love. Nothing you can do, nothing anybody else can do to you. No height nor depth. Nothing in all creation. Nothing in the past. Nothing in the present. Nothing in the future can separate you from the love of God through Jesus Christ. What a beautiful scene! So let's we're going up the mountain. It's getting glorious. You look over. What do you see? You see. The judge that's in the courtroom, he steps off behind his bench. He goes to the sinner and says, "You're my son now," and he picks him up and he takes him home and he gives him everything. And he's a rich dad and has glorious blessings to give his son and his daughter. What a glorious scene! But we keep climbing. <clears throat> We're gonna have to run past redemption, regeneration, sanctification, glorification. I'm sorry. Whoo! It's too good. But let's get to the Holy Spirit. This is what Ron talked about a few weeks ago. That through faith in Christ, God gives us his very spirit. Apart from Christ, we we try to obey God. We may try to honor him. We try to do these good things. But apart from God, we can't do it. And our actions won't please God. But he gives us the Holy Spirit to come live with inside of us. And then we become, we have the, we're freed from sin. We have the power to, to love God. Through the Spirit, God gives us affections for him that just begin to bubble up. As Ron said, <clears throat> that the Spirit, God calls us to fly, to obey him. But without the Spirit, we just, pff, we can't do it. The Spirit is what gives us wings to fly. So imagine the scene you're looking over. What do you see? What are you seeing? You see, I see an eagle. Oh, we just read Isaiah 40. He will mount us up on wings like eagles, and we're just cruising on top of an eagle. Like in Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Man, whoo, that was an awesome last scene. Frodo's just flying on this eagle, you know? He's all bruised and bloodied, and you're like, oh my gosh, this has been so long, and He's finally saved. And he's flying on an eagle. Through the Holy Spirit, you are flying. You might not feel it, but that power's inside of you. Through faith in Jesus Christ, that power's inside of you. And you can obey. The Holy Spirit is amazing. We finally get to Romans 9 through 11. And there's no way I'm going to be able to cover all the complexities and the intricacies and the craziness of Romans 9 through 11. But I'll say this: What Paul saw when he was dealing with Romans nine through eleven was kind of the, the cosmic redemptive plan. How did God do all this? Because Adam failed his first creation, his first creature. He failed, so sin entered the world. So then God eventually chooses this man named Abraham, who is it? And through Abraham, he births this Israelite nation. And he says, "Israelites, you're going to be my people. I'm going to bless the whole world through you." But they fail. And so then, well, some of them believe. That's what Romans 9, 11 is about. Paul's like, are there, has God been true to his promises to Israel? He says, yes. He saved us. God's always had a remnant. He's always saved his people. And through the Israelites, now we're going to bless the Gentiles. And that was Paul's main ministry when he lived over 2,000 years ago was to tell the Gentiles, God loves you too. Jesus Christ is not just the savior of the Jews. He's the savior of the Gentiles. And that message made a lot of the Jewish people upset. And so a lot of them rejected that message. But Paul says that because the Gentiles are going to love God, that's going to make the Jews jealous. They're going to want, no, I want to be in in God's family too. He says that all of it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We're all sinners. We're all saved by the same way, through faith in Jesus Christ. And so what do you see when you look over on that mountain? That's when you see what Martin Luther King saw. He saw two people, two groups of people being restored, being united, in love, in brotherhood, in sisterhood. That's when he said, my eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. And that's what Paul does. We finally got there. Verse 33, oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom of God. Is that your cry right now? Let me finish by making this personal for you. When you look at your life, what do you see? When you look at the plan that God has had for your life, what do you see? Perhaps some of you in this moment, you're you're, you're ready to scream out, Oh, the depths. There's a smile on your face. Because God has been good to you in certain ways that you, those blessings are just overflowing right now in your mind and in your heart and you're thankful for it. And, and that's a beautiful thing. And so you can think about all the ways God has led you to this room right now. Jen, she said that. Man, that was prophetic, girl. That was awesome. Imagine, the, what, what have you gone through to get be sitting in the seat that you're in right now? My dad proposed Twice. And they both rejected him. It wasn't until he found my mom, Sally Culver, she said yes. But she wanted to go be a missionary to Japan, so she almost said no. If God had put them two together, I wouldn't be here. I almost drowned when I was about five years old at the YMCA right over here on Quince. This big old boy jumped on me, he didn't see I was in the pool. My brother pulled me out. His name I know his name. I remember his name. My brother pulled me out from that. I would, I would not be here if my brother didn't save my life. Imagine, think through it right now. How did God get you here? The good, the bad. His ways are inscrutable. His ways are perfect. And as I was preparing and praying over this message, I just felt that for maybe just one of you, I don't know, maybe that your entire life has been leading to this moment. This moment that when you've surveyed God, you said, no, or you don't understand it, or you, I don't know. But in this moment, you see that God has a plan for you to be saved, to experience true and lasting and perfect joy forever with him. That is what God wants for you your total, complete, and forever happiness in him. And He has made a way through Jesus Christ. So maybe for some of you, it's been, when you think about that road, that path, that mountain path, it's been hard. You've been scratched by a lot of thorns. If you read Paul's life, so was he. I can only imagine that there was moments that he worshiped God with a raised hand and a smile on his face. But surely as he talks about in his letters, there were moments when he had a a raised hand, but there were tears going down his eyes and he was on his knees. And maybe when we sing our song tonight, that is your heart, that is your position before God. Is God, I I might not understand you. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But God, I see a beauty that I can't deny. So I will bend my knee and worship you. Oh, do that. He is worthy of your worship. Let me pray for us. Dear God, you are beautiful. You are great. You're worthy of our praise. Your name is above all names. Surely you are a great God. Give us eyes to see and treasure and worship and savor it. And love others. In Jesus' name, amen.